Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating, and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical, and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Jamie. Super excited to have you back on chatting all things intermittent fasting. Thank you. It's good to be back. Well, just to do a bit of a recap on the first podcast that we did with Jamie, if you guys haven't listened to that one, I would definitely recommend going back and giving that one a listen. It has heaps and heaps of great information and golden nuggets in there. We really talked about intermittent fasting from, I guess the biggest thing was from a weight loss perspective, the different types of intermittent fasting, how it can fit into your lifestyle and um, which sort of types. We mostly discussed the 16-8 hour fasting period, but we also discussed other ones like the 5 to 2, the alternate day fasting. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, definitely recommend going back and listening to that one before tuning into this one. And today we're really going to ask Jamie some hard hitting questions around intermittent fasting and I guess healthy individuals and what she's experienced from her own clients in her clinic in Sydney as well. Um, So welcome back to the podcast, Jamie. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me again. And I guess I'd love to kick off by starting with, um, I guess most of the research to date we know supports intermittent fasting purely from a weight loss perspective. So there's been some great research recently that shows that intermittent fasting can be great for weight loss, but it's no better than a calorie restricted diet. So you can either diet and restrict your calories, or you can trial intermittent fasting and you're going to get, I guess, the same benefits in terms of weight loss. Um, How do you feel about that? Do you feel like for a lot of your clients, it's easier to follow an intermittent fasting style of eating rather than a traditional calorie restricted diet? I do. I do think that. And I think that that's why a lot of people are tending to move over towards intermittent fasting as their go-to for weight management. Um, I think it's important to also recognize that that research as well is based on short-term um, weight loss as well. So although calorie control can be fantastic um, in the short term, I do tend to find that um, many things can get in the way of a calorie controlled diet, such as a holiday, um, you know, a, a social events, that type of thing, cravings, um, hormones, uh, you know, it's really hard to, you know, stick within those numbers on a daily basis um, in order to get the, the results that you want. I do think that um, I think it's probably pretty well established as well that um, our bodies will fight back <laughs> with low calories after a period of time too. And um, often we tend to uh, get a bit of an appetite and our bodies will want to kind of replenish those calories. And that's where, you know, some people can get uh, good results over a short period of time on a calorie controlled diet. And then often they just find that they're really hungry and it's just impossible to maintain over a long period of time. And so that's where I think intermittent fasting can come in. Yes, it may not be Um, a a superior form of weight management in terms of results. But I do think that um, it allows for flexibility. So from a mental perspective or a a psychological perspective, I think that um, being able to be social and having flexibility within what you eat when you are eating, I think that that's incredibly appealing for a lot of people. Um, And I think that the on-off approach to it as well is probably not such a bad thing for our bodies as well. It allows us a bit of a break for our bodies to kind of go, 
oh, okay, when we're not kind of in this diet mode anymore, where we're not, we're eating nourishing food and we're having a little bit of a break. And then we have um, a, a fasting mode. And so I think it, it's sort of from a psychological perspective, it's very appealing. And I think probably from a physiological perspective, I would say um, that it's also um, quite a good little uh, strategy for long-term weight management. Mm, I would 100% agree because I we were talking in the break and I personally um, use intermittent fasting myself and I have done for a few years purely from a social eating perspective. I don't, um, I don't want to lose any weight. I don't do it from the weight loss perspective, but I do it more from just maintaining that healthy life lifestyle perspective, I guess. You know, if I'm going to go out with some girlfriends and have some pizza and some wines on a Saturday night, it's not something I do every Saturday. But if I was to, um, you know, I might practice intermittent fasting for that day or the next day, just, I guess, in order to just pull back a little bit, not in a restrictive way, but in a way that I guess, like most people on the weekends, I tend to sleep in a little bit, might get up, do some chores around the house and not really think too much about eating. You know, I might make myself a green tea or have a couple of cups of water and that's pretty much it. And say, deal if I was going out for say brunch with a girlfriend I probably wouldn't wake up and eat breakfast if I knew that I was going to go out and have I guess a larger style brunch purely because we know that um you know, cafes and restaurants and that sort of thing they put a lot more calories in our food a lot more sugar a lot more fat to make it taste good, to make us keep coming back to their cafes and their restaurants. And I think that's what a lot of people really struggle with, with weight loss. Um, You know, they think they're going out, they think they're making a healthy choice at a restaurant, but often, you know, even the healthier types of choices on the menus can still be quite, I guess, high in calories. So from my perspective, I love to use it with my clients from a social eating perspective. um, And I find that they find that really helpful, especially if there's somebody who goes out a lot to eat um, socially. Do you find that your clients... um, I guess, experience the same benefits from a social eating perspective, even if they're not really thinking about weight loss? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. So I think in your case, it's sort of a way of creating a little bit of balance, I suppose, you know, so it allows you the flexibility of being able to, you know, sort of not think too much about having a nice time um, and eating what you feel like eating and having a few drinks and then balancing out that those calories um, you know, without thinking about it too much. Also the fact that you just simply may not be that hungry the next mm. morning because you've had a bigger meal the night before, and that's totally understandable. And I would say that a lot of people probably do that without even thinking about it. I've got a lot of patients, um, you know, who do tend to have a, have a little sleep in, they might wake up and have, you know, uh, some water or green tea or maybe a black coffee or something. Um, maybe go off and exercise and they might not get to you know, sort of breakfast or brunch or whatever it is until sort of late morning. And they've, without even tried, uh, sorry, without even trying, they've intermittent, they've, they've done an intermittent fast. Um, and so that's fantastic. And so, you know, if that can then be extended off into the, into the week, um, there can be those, um, certainly those added benefits as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really fantastic one for people who tend to eat out socially. So I've got a lot of patients who, um, you know, they've got to schmooze clients in the evening. <laughs> they're, they're expected to yes. sort of be at 8.30 p.m. dinners during the week and be having a couple of wines with clients and that type of thing. And so that's where, you know, if you're trying to maintain that and then also a social life on the weekend, mm-hmm. um, that can be really detrimental to our health, not only our weight, um, where they're, as you said, there's lots of little extras that we probably wouldn't eat when we're at home. For example, little bread rolls and butter and, you know, perhaps shared desserts and side dishes and that type of thing, um, oils and fats added to food. Um, and none of that is 
bad, but on a regular basis that can, um, you know, cause some problems in terms of our health and, and our weight. So, yeah, look, that's where intermittent fasting fasting can be an absolute um, godsend and, and brilliant concept for those busy people and those people who want to be social or have to be, you know, social on a regular basis. Mm, those people who are expected to sort of wine and dine their clients, I would imagine it's yeah. very difficult to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle if you're expected multiple times a week to take, you know, interstate clients or international clients out to dinner, wine and dine them. You can't exactly sit there and say, oh, no, thank you. I'll just have a salad. No dressing. Hold the sauce. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, that's not much fun. <laughs> I don't think you'd, la- you'd last very well in your job either. No, that's true. <laughs> All right. Now, I get a lot of questions. Again, um, my background is within gut health as a, as a gastroenterology dietitian. And so I guess I get a lot of questions around IBS and intermittent fasting. Now, I know that I've, I've thrown through the research. There's not really much from IF from a gut health perspective at the moment there are a few promising studies but unfortunately they're in animal models which we know we just can't um, you know assume they're going to have the same results in humans but I guess from your perspective knowing that we don't have the research and science to back it up just yet have you had any um, people experience great um, you know I guess improvements with their gut health or their IBS from using intermittent fasting from your perspective in your clinic? Oh absolutely I sort of call it like the hidden bonus um, of intermittent fasting. Um, I have found that a lot of people um, experience things such as their bowel, their bowel function um, improve, so they have um, more regulated bowel function. Look, again, this is not for everyone and these are sort of um, individual cases, but I would say to you that the vast majority of people who um, who I've seen who do intermittent fasting will report back to me some other little benefits, and a lot of them are gut-related. So as I said before, improved bowel function, um, just simply sort of like a flatter belly, you know, less bloated, um, uh, you know, um, feeling kind of lighter. Um, you know, they're really common um, reports that I get back from my patients. So yeah, great little bonus to intermittent fasting. I will say to you though, there is a very small proportion of patients though that do report back to me that their bowel function goes the other way mm-hmm. and that they might get constipated, for example. Now in that case, um, I tend to find it's because um, in many cases, people get a, a vast majority of their fiber for the day in their breakfast meal. Mm. So for example, a lot of people have, you know, say like whole grain toast and peanut butter, or they'll have, um, you know, porridge and fruit or something like that. And they might get say a third of their fiber intake from that meal alone. So if you're all of a sudden knocking out a meal that, that gives you a, a huge amount of fiber for your day, it's not uncommon that, you know, perhaps you're just not meeting your fiber requirements and, and that it's causing um, or contributing to um, your bowels slowing down and becoming a little bit sluggish. So I think it's important to mention that as well. It's not um, a sort of a, a, a magical thing that happens to everyone who does intermittent mm. fasting. It's also very much um, related to what you eat when you are eating as well. Mm, definitely. And I think, I guess, from a gut health perspective, it's not we just don't have the research to prove that it's beneficial or it's not beneficial. Um, again, it comes back to that individual approach of your, if you'd like to try it. I have had a lot of clients who report um, that just resting their gut for periods of time can be quite beneficial for their IBS type symptoms. But again, as Jamie mentioned, it, it could go the other way and it could make some of your, your gut health symptoms a little bit worse. Um, so now I'd love to ask you about 
just healthy individuals, you know, people who don't really want to lose weight, people who, you know, aren't diabetic or pre-diabetic, their cholesterol is healthy. How do you feel about intermittent fasting, using it for people like, um, I get a lot of what I call weekend warriors in my clinic. So people who, they're not professional athletes, but they really love their exercise. They're really trying to hit PBs in the gym. They're trying to run faster, lift harder. Um, what would you feel with intermittent fasting in somebody who was more like a weekend warrior? <laughs> Oh, look, I think, um, again, coming back to it being very personal, I think it also is very dependent on what kind of exercise you do, when you do it. Um, you know, it's there is many, many different types of training, and a lot of people do different types of training as well on a daily basis. One day they'll do yoga, one day they'll do a walk, one day they'll do a HIIT session. So, again, um, fasting um, and timing your fasting around the exercise, I think, has got to be very, very personal. There is some research um, to show that, um, certainly for, for professional athletes, um, that they they've got greater stamina in, in a fasted mode doing some type of exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that's, I think about as far as it goes in terms of, um, uh, intermittent fasting for, for athletes, but for our weekend warriors, again, I think it's important to just time it around the type of exercise you do and what works for you. Um, and so, you know, we, we mentioned in the previous podcast that, for example, someone who does a really heavy morning training session and then tries to do, to fast for the remainder of the morning might not only feel pretty awful mm -hmm. for the morning, but also it may not be very um, conducive for recovery and um, you know for um, improving um, strength and stamina and that type of thing. So that probably isn't such a great idea. You know, there's obviously a couple of things that you can do around that: change your fasting time so that you're eating in the morning and then fasting in the evening. Or alternatively, if you can switch to exercising in the evening, um, you know, that might work for some, might not work for others. And so I think it's just about working around that. Whereas if someone who is doing, say, a yoga session or a nice long walk or something might find that when they fast makes absolutely no difference to them at all because it's mm. not a really heavy session. It's not very um, draining of our energy um, and, and so therefore it doesn't really matter so much. So mm. I think it's important to, um, just match it to what you're doing and, 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 and how it suits you and how it makes you feel. Definitely. And I totally agree. And so guys, I guess the bottom line here would be if you're trying to hit a PB, you're trying to go harder, run faster, you probably want to do that session with a little bit of fuel on board and fuel adequately after the session as well. So as Jamie mentioned, changing the timing so that you're not fasting, going into your sessions and coming out of your sessions, um, or perhaps just trialing some intermittent fasting on your days off or on perhaps a deloading a deloading week or a deloading period as well could be an option but if you're doing some exercise that's quite low intensity it might be a, a really long um uh, you know slow walk or some yoga or pilates or something like that then doing that on a fasted stomach um we really don't so see too many negative benefits um from a performance perspective in that way um, and wonderful. And if somebody was, I guess, I have lots of questions around people who are doing intermittent fasting, again, Jamie, for weight loss from the weight loss perspective, but they're not losing weight. What are some common mm. things that you would say you see people doing wrong? So if they're doing it from a weight loss perspective, but the weight's not budging, what would you sort of mm -hmm. say would be the biggest things they could check themselves on? I think there's probably two main things that are the major cause of that. One is that they're not properly fasting. Mm -hmm. So for example, it might be, um, I mean, I had a patient who continued to have a milky coffee, uh, in the morning, um, you know, like a, a sort of latte without real sort of really thinking about it, didn't even think twice about it. And so wasn't actually properly fasting. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be also 
you know, adding a little bit too much milk in that cup of tea or coffee, that splash of milk, or having several of them over a period of time, which equates to maybe half a cup, full cup of milk, you know, by the time you finished with it. So making sure that you're you know, you're, that you're properly fasting when you are fasting. And, and that's, again, you know, I think I want to keep the fa- the intermittent fasting as sort of simple a concept as possible. But I think it's really important that if you want to get the most out of it, that you do have to do it properly. And that is really making sure that you are in a properly fasted mode. So I would just sort of do a little check-in and make sure that you are, that you are in a proper fasted mode. Um, the second thing is what you eat when you are eating. Mm. And so the difficulty is that up into up to date, the research has basically said when you're in an eating mode, you can f- effectively eat whatever you want. And that's great. But I think, you know, as dietitians, I'm sure you agree with me that it's not as simple as that. Um, and that I think it's really important to have some flexibility around what you eat. But it's important to not only meet nutritional requirements and make sure we're getting all our vitamins and minerals and all our macronutrients and everything to make sure that we can function normally and thrive and do all the things we need to do, um, but also to make sure that um, – um, that we're not overdoing it as well. And and that can be an interesting response when people, I mean, psychologically, when people first start fasting. Mm. I've had a couple of patients who've had sort of some interesting um, experiences where they've found that they've kind of their eating window is starting to close and they find the need to kind of shovel lots of food in because they're going to be fasted for, mm. you know, the next 16 hours. Um, and then on the flip side, this sort of counting down the minutes until the, you know, they, they can break their fast and then kind of going to town with, you know, um, uh, eating whatever they want and, and then basically continuing to graze and eat for the, the next eight hours and completely overdoing total calories for the day. So I think it's really important to just check in and make sure that you're fasting properly and then you're not overdoing eating. A lot of people find they might need to eat ever so slightly more than they not than, than they normally would in their eating window because they simply are a little bit hungrier but that's okay as long as I think as long as it's just not a complete free for all um, and just checking in and making sure that 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 you know those two factors are in check mm. and I think that probably leads us nicely into talking about who intermittent fasting isn't appropriate for because that example you gave of people who are counting down the minutes until they're eating and then they're sort of shoveling in food because they can't eat for another extended period of time I guess you would sort of say those clients are still in that somewhat restricted mindset where they think of it as a restrictive type of diet rather than just a different style of eating so in your experience yeah. who would intermittent fasting not be appropriate for well I I think we could probably call the, those, you know, that, that's, I guess, what we would call a sort of form of disordered eating mm. or, or anyone with a history of eating disorders. So as, as I think as soon as it's important to check in and as soon as you start to feel um, any of those um, or, or uh, th- have any of those sorts of thoughts coming in, um, such as, you know, very restricted timings, um, you know, and then continuing to either count calories or macronutrients or whatever within an eating window. Um, that's when I would start being really careful about whether this is right for you or not, because I think it's important that this is seen as a lifestyle, a lifestyle strategy as opposed to another diet strategy with rules and restrictions and that type of thing. So I think, you know, anyone with that type of history and the tendency to go into that sort of restrictive kind of space, I think it's probably not the right thing for you. Um, anyone who has a high nutritional requirement. So during pregnancy and breastfeeding, absolutely. So I'm breastfeeding at the moment and I, I, I'm, I am not fasting. Um, and, uh, anyone with any serious health, um, 
issues and or health conditions. So I think it's important to mention though that in many cases I would say that intermittent fasting is probably going to be very good for a lot of those people. So anyone who's um, perhaps got a history of heart disease or um, type 2 diabetes and maybe they're on a plethora of, of different medications and that type of thing, intermittent fasting could potentially be brilliant for them. However, I think it's really important to first of all double check um, triple check with specialists and doctors that they're okay with you doing it, um, okay with because um, a lot of medications require you to eat at a certain mm-hmm. time and eat with the medication, that type of thing. So making sure that that's all done properly um, and obviously, you know, making sure that if you do have any of those, um, any sort of history that you, you're you doing it with the support of a dietitian as well mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you are eating the right things when you are eating, that your timings are appropriate for you and that type of thing. So um, they're the probably the people that need to be most careful when it comes to intermittent fasting. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent agree. All right. Well, Jamie, I'd love to finish with some listener questions for you, if you're okay with that. Sure. Some people have. Absolutely. Wonderful. They've sent in some questions and they're sort of thought, oh, you know, I've, I've got a few things that we'd love to ask Jamie today. So the first one is from Megan. So Megan says, um, and we sort of touched on this already. So I do intermittent fasting from night to midday, but I train really early on and I always feel exhausted and hungry after training. Do you have any suggestions for me? Yeah, we do. We did sort of touch on that before, and I would say for Megan that a um, couple of things. Number one, sometimes it gets easier for people, so to, to potentially persevere for a few weeks. Um, obviously, if it's not too detrimental in terms of you know performance at work and that type of thing. Um, you know, some people find that their body really adjusts beautifully over a few weeks, um, uh, and that they find that they're able to manage through the morning, um, much, much easier and that it's no problem for them. However, I think that if that continues on, um, and that she continues to feel, um, a bit wobbly and very hungry and, um, and not feeling so great, then I think that there's probably two options for her. One is to either switch her training to the evening mm-hmm. or switch her timings for fasting. Mm-hmm. So um, we mentioned before potentially, you know, um, uh, having something to eat straight after her training session so she can refuel and, and get the nutrients for recovery. So let's say that might be 8 o'clock in the morning and then she might um, finish uh, her eating window at, say, mid-afternoon around 4 o'clock or so and then fast from there on. So um, I think, you know, it's just a matter of playing around with it a little bit and seeing what works for you. Mm. And I guess, Megan, I'd probably also add the type and the intensity of training that you're doing. If you're not somebody who's an athlete or somebody who needs to hit specific performance goals, perhaps you can back off your training session for a couple of weeks until your body sort of adapts to the intermittent fasting as well. And then when you yeah, sort that's of a, a great point. Yeah, adapt a little bit more, you can sort of step up your training a little bit as well. Because, you know, finishing your yeah. training and feeling exhausted and hungry, that's that's not really conducive to our health, is it? So uh, Jamie's suggestions were no. fabulous. And I guess the other one would be just to mix up the type of exercise that you're doing. Instead of doing something that's super high intensity or really heavy weights, perhaps you could just do a long, slow walk or, um, you know, a swim or something like that. Yeah, the other thing I do with some patients too is that um, I've got a lot of patients who won't consistently do a high a high um, intensity session every day. So they might say, for example, do a high intensity session a couple of days of the week, and then the other days they might um, maybe do a walk or a yoga or a mm-hmm. Pilates or something like that. So it might be that you um, you do the intermittent fasting um, and fast through the morning on the lighter training days, mm-hmm. and then just maybe simply not fast or um, extend your um, 
uh, eating window a little bit on the days that you do the heavier training. So for example, you may not be able to get to midday on a day where you've done a heavier session, but you might be able to push out to nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and, and be okay, um, with a heap of water and, and, um, you know, a, a black coffee or something like that. So again, just something else to think about. Um, and you know, rather than sort of your eating hour being eight hours that day, it might be more like 10 or 12 hours and that's absolutely fine. Wonderful. So again, guys, it comes back to that, um, personalization and that individualized approach for you and your lifestyle. Now, the next question we've got is from Josie, and I think we probably touched on this as well, but Josie says, I love doing intermittent fasting, but I need to have a few dashes of milk in my teas and coffees. Is this okay? Yeah, we, we did talk, talk about this. And so I would, I would say, uh, yes, it's fine. It's, um, as I said before, the researchers are saying that it's better to have add a little dash of milk to your tea or coffee um, and fast than not fast at all. Um, but I would say that I would, you know, probably put some um, boundaries around that and say just have one of those types of drinks within your fasting mode. So just one tea or coffee with the splash of milk um, and the rest need to be black um, teas or coffees, herbal tea or water. So just the one. And look, to be honest, most people um, really just have one, maybe two teas or coffees, I would say, typically through the morning. So I think that for mo- in many cases that would be really manageable. Mm-hmm. It's just some people report back to me and they're like, I just cannot stand the black tea or coffee. What can I do? And in many cases it really is a barrier for people actually fasting through the morning. So I think if it really is a barrier and it is going to hold you back from fasting long term, I would say absolutely add that splash of milk. Mm-hmm. All right, as Jamie keeps mentioning, Josie, perhaps you might want to flip your eating window around. Perhaps if you're somebody who loves your teas and coffees early in the morning and you quite enjoy having breakfast, perhaps you could change your eating window so that you're having a larger meal around three or four o'clock and stopping your eating window there and skipping your, your dinner instead of your breakfast. So again, just that personalization. Yeah, look, just another quick one as well, which um, you made me th- sort of think about is I've got a few patients who are very happy to go through until lunchtime for their first meal, but they really miss that milky coffee and they don't want the coffee with the dash of milk in it. So what they'll often do is fast until maybe 10, 30, 11 o'clock and they'll break their fast with the milky coffee and that will then tide them through until their first meal of the day, which might be 12, 1 or, or, or so, um, which is their lunch meal. So they're still fasting, sorry, they're still um, uh, fasting for 16 hours and their eating window might be, say, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., but they're actually breaking their fast with the milky coffee as opposed to the meal. Mm, Another great point as well. Yeah, just sort of switching things and and shuffling things around a little bit. So just something to think about if if you still really want that milky coffee. Mm, Definitely. You don't have to give up your coffee, guys, because no way. Jamie and I are certainly <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> All right. No way. <laughs> Next question is from Paul. So, Jamie, I find I get really blocked up when I do IF. Have you got any tips for me? Yeah. Um, another one that we sort of spoke about briefly before, I would, number one, look at the fiber quantity um, in in your diet. So, we mentioned before that if you are skipping a meal of the day, particularly breakfast, I find is probably one where we generally can get a whole heap of fiber in. So it might be whole grain toast or whole grain cereal or, um, you know, um, uh, fruit salad and, and uh, muesli or something along those lines, which typically has quite a decent whack of fiber in it. If all of a sudden you're knocking that out, not having that, um, you, you know, you're potentially missing a, a whole lot of fiber um, uh, in your diet. And, and so, 
if that's the case, sometimes it can cause our bowels to slow down a little bit and, and cause some constipation. And so it's really important to then go through and have a look at what you're eating when you are eating, so within your eating window, and making sure that you're filling in the gaps and, and hitting your fiber targets and getting that sort of 25, 30 grams of fiber a day. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also having plenty of water um, throughout your fasting period as well. And also remember, yeah. And remember guys, the basic health message, I guess the two and five. So two pieces of fruit a day and five serves of vegetables. So even though you're, you're practicing intermittent fasting, it's not a magic bullet. It's not this golden elixir that you're, you're going to improve your health from every marker. You still need to eat good quality, nutritious meals as well. So aiming for your vegetables in the meals that you do have and a few pieces of fruit, if you choose to have some snacks as well, will really help you to reach your fiber targets as well yeah without a doubt and next question is from sally so sally wants to know is it healthy and safe to do intermittent fasting forever i absolutely think so i think there's some times in your life where it's not um appropriate so during times of sickness um during pregnancy and breastfeeding um you know sort of taking some medications at some points um uh, you know, um, if I think that if your weight is on the lower side, it's probably not such a good idea. So look, I, there might be times in your life, um, where it's not such a great idea, but I definitely think that it's something that can come in and out of your life and be a health strategy that you can use forever. There is a little bit of, um, research to say that, um, the, the elderly should probably, um, avoid fasting simply because they just don't know the effect that it might have. So, um, I I think, you know, I I don't know what number that is. And I don't Mm -hmm. think, you know, for example, I wouldn't say to you from the age of 75, don't fast. I don't think it's as simple as that, but I would say the elderly, it's probably not such a good idea to fast. And obviously anyone who hasn't finished their growing yet, it's not such a good idea, but through adult years, I would absolutely say that to get the most out of your health and longevity, it's looking as though, and the research is sort of um, pointing towards the fact that intermittent fasting is something that can be incredibly helpful for um, reducing the risk of many chronic diseases, helping you to manage and maintain a healthy weight um, and help with sort of brain function and cognition and brain health. So yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. And the final question for you, Jamie, is from an anonymous listener. So what do you suggest for shift workers who would like to try IF or intermittent fasting? I think intermittent fasting is absolutely perfect for shift workers um, and it's such a common issue in in uh, shift workers, where, particularly when they're doing night shifts for one week and they might do day shifts for the next week and they're sort of all over the place. Um, and it's a common question I get, do I keep eating like I normally would through the day or do I match my eating to my to my work hours? Um, and so, look, again, it's got to be very personal, but I definitely think that it's the kind of um, – eating strategy that would be perfect for someone who um, uh, did shift working. And I I think it's a matter of playing around with it a little bit. So I get my patients to sort of trial, um, you know, fasting throughout their night shift um, or or then fasting throughout the, the daytime when they might be typically sleeping. So it's a matter of playing around with it a little bit, but um, it gets a little bit confusing as a shift worker because I think that, you know, the days are very long and it's uh, often they don't really know when to be eating and what's the appropriate time, what's actually breakfast, what's actually Mm -hmm. dinner, should I be snacking? It's sort of, um, it's a bit confusing. So if you can um, set your eight hour eating window around either sleep time or around work time. I think it can be really helpful and then just being consistent with it. 
Mm, and particularly if you're somebody who is quite an active shift worker. So we mentioned sort of FIFO workers in the first podcast. If you're somebody who requires a lot of energy to do your job, perhaps that's better to have your eating window whilst you're working to just fuel your body and give your body that extra energy that it might require. And then perhaps have your fasting window um, when you're not at work. Perhaps you might be sleeping or just, you know, doing some general housework and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. All right. And finally, Jamie, I would love to talk about your new book. I've got it sitting right here in front of me. Um, It's amazing. So it's titled 16-8 Intermittent Fasting by Jamie Rose Chambers. Tell me, what was the inspiration behind the book? Why did you decide to write a book on on intermittent fasting? So I've got a long history with fasting. um, I mentioned in the previous podcast that my dad has been doing it for about 10 years for brain health. And um, my relationship with it started um, after I had my second bar. And I had some. I, I read on some really fantastic research that was coming out from the states on intermittent fasting, and I thought, my God, I just want to give this a, a shot. And I, I do like to sort of trial different things, um, you know, different diet strategies and that type of thing that come through, even just for a short time, just so I know what my patients go through and what they experience and that type of thing. So my hubby and I embarked on it for a couple of months um, to begin with, and I just felt so fantastic and. Um, and I just, I, I sort of started using it with some of my patients and I couldn't believe the kind of results that I was getting. And I pitched the idea to the publishers and, and it just was such a, um, it was just the perfect timing. Um, there was enough great research out there. It was a concept that was, um, sort of new and upcoming and people were really starting to get interested in it. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's how it came about. (laughs) So I wrote it with a newborn baby. That was interesting, but, um, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and it's been a real life changer for me and it's changed the way I practice, um, so considerably with my patients as well. So, it's been um, it's been really wonderful. Wonderful, and the book is it's fabulous. Congratulations! Um, it's got Thank so many so yummy recipes in there as well. So for all of you guys at home, if you're looking to to find the book, um, it's available online, isn't it? And in bookstores, Jamie. Uh, it is. It's available in all good bookstores. Um, I've even spotted it in Target and Kmart, Big W. <laughs> and um, yes, it's also available online and also through the Pan Macmillan um, website as well. They, you can get it a lot. I get a lot of questions for overseas um, people. And so you can, uh, it can be delivered and you can order it from the Pam McMillan website as well. Wonderful. So that book is titled 168 intermittent fasting guys, and it's packed full of the latest research. Jamie's broken it down into different types of health conditions. She's got some great case studies in there from her own, uh, patients and her own experiences. And it's packed full of, um, absolutely delicious recipes as well. If you were somebody who was looking for a bit of recipe inspiration as well, obviously written by Jamie, who is a nutritionist and a dietitian. So what is your favorite recipe in the book, Jamie? Jamie, I'd love to know. Oh, look, I think it's got to be the fish tacos. It's oh, such yum. a winner. And yeah, and I've got some family members who have um, some pretty serious um, uh, food allergies. And so it's one that um, I can tailor to someone who's gluten-free or someone who um, uh, is vegetarian or pescatarian, I should say. So it's a really, really good one. It's an absolute winner. It's delicious. It's fresh and crunchy and yummy. And yeah, I love it. Oh, you're making me hungry. And what is it? 10 10 a.m. already. (laughs) I know. Are we fasting today? Is it it lunchtime yet? (laughs) All right. Well, Jamie, that's probably all that we have time for today. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us 
this um, and talking about such a such an interesting concept from such a you know there's so many health benefits just irrespective of weight loss as well so I think you've you've definitely enlightened myself and also our listeners today so finally where can where can our listeners find you where can they reach out for you do you take consults online at all if somebody might be international I do. I certainly do. I take Skype consults. Um, I um, uh, practice from two clinics in Sydney's eastern suburbs, so Double Bay and and Surrey Hills. Um, you can find all those details on my website. So it's jamierosenutrition.com.au um, and my name is spelled J-A-I-M-E. And I'm also on Instagram. I get lots of um, direct messages and that type of thing. So feel free to contact me that way. And again, it's jamierose underscore nutrition. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on today and having a chat with our listeners. Um, and guys, definitely reach out to Jamie, give her a follow on Instagram and let her know if you've got any questions about the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Leanne. Wonderful. And we will catch you guys in the next podcast. Bye.